Revelation chapter 13 this morning, and the book of Revelation by title is a revelation. It's a revelation. It's a revealing. A lot of people come to the book of Revelation, and they think it's the revealing of the end times. It is not. It happens to give us some details relating to the end times, but it's the revealing of Jesus Christ. It's all about God revealing to us his son and, and what his son will do when he comes back and these kinds of things. And so when we come to the book of Revelation, we are, we're, we're always considering Jesus Christ through all the details of it. There's three main sort of bad guys in the book of Revelation. We've considered two of them already. The dragon, Revelation chapter 12, who is Satan. Then we, last week in chapter 13, verses 1 through 10, we considered the beast, who is the Antichrist. This morning, we are going to consider the third uh, person, interesting character in the book of Revelation, that is a two-horned lamb-like creature um, called Lambo. Now, not really, but his name is the false prophet. And we're going to consider about the false prophet. So we have the, you know, the, this counterfeit trinity that is revealed to us in, this, in, in the midway through the tribulation period. Chapters 12 and 13 give us details relating to these suspects and what they'll be doing. And today, we're going to consider the false prophet. So stand with me, and we're going to read Revelation chapter 13, beginning in verse 11. It says, Then I, I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb spoke like a dragon it exercised all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed performs great signs even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people and by the sign that is allowed to work in the presence of the beast it deceives those who dwell on the earth telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived and it was allowed to give breath to the image to, of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. It also causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, which is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and we pray, God, that you would give us clear understanding this morning to your word. We pray that you would uh, not allow any distractions in our hearts and minds this morning, that your Holy Spirit would just speak truth to us. That's what we want to hear, Lord. We pray that you have your way, and that you would speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So several years ago, I was laying in my bed scrolling through TV, and I, I came across this series called, Who the Bleep Did I Marry? And I, I didn't bleep that out. It actually, that's actually what it's called. Anybody ever heard of this, this series, Who the Bleep Did I Marry? Well, I, I decided to watch it because A, number one, I like quality entertainment. <laughs> and then number two, I'm married. So I thought, 
well, this makes sense. I'm married. I like quality entertainment. Who the bleep did I marry? So I start watching it. It just so happens that uh, people get duped by their spouses a lot. Just so, <laughs> some people are looking at their spouse right now. <laughs> you eyeballing me? It, it does. It, it happens. Take Anne, and Margarita, Anne Margarita Martinez, lived in Miami. She's a Cuban lady. Listen, she was looking for love in all the right places. She was looking for love in church. And she, the church that she attended, a man uh, started attending there. She got to know him. She liked him. So they got married. His name was Juan Pablo Roca. He was supposed to be a defect from Cuba. Turns out he was a spy. Now, interesting enough, they got married on April Fool's Day. So that should have been the first notion that, hey, something's wrong here. Um, and, and so she did get duped. And, uh, you know, that can happen. Why? Because people are deceitful. There is a lot of deceit in the world today. I do want you to know that I fully vetted my wife since. She is good. There's no issues with her. I cannot speak on behalf of your spouse. So um, you want to make sure you, you didn't marry an axe murderer or something. So you want to do your, do your homework on that. But seriously, there is a day coming when the world is going to be married to a charmer and they will have no idea who the bleep they married. They will have no clue as to the one that's coming. That's why I believe the church has to be removed from uh, the earth before the Antichrist can rise up because we, we have discernment. Not that we can't be deceived, but relating to this specific character, we're, we're hypersensitive, are we not? Very hypersensitive to this situation and the, the people, are, people have found the Antichrist many, many times, haven't they? He's out there somewhere. But, but the reality of it is, is you know, uh, the Bible talks about, and we talked about this last week, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, about the restrainer being removed from the church, from the world. The restrainer, we believe, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inhabits the church, and thus for the restrainer to be removed, I believe the church has to be removed. And so if that's the case, then, you know, we wouldn't be here necessarily. But the Antichrist, when he does rise up, the man of lawlessness, when he comes on the scene, he is going to sway the entire world with his quick wit and his slick words. He's going to disguise himself as someone who genuinely cares about humanity and society, but he has secretly a deep hatred for man, even those who follow him interesting enough. And there will come a point in time, we talked about last week, about three and a half years into uh, the tribulation period where the Antichrist flips a switch and he's no longer a nice guy. He says to the world, you call me God or I will kill you. And that's exactly what he will do. He will deceive the world for the th first three and a half years into thinking that he's a great guy and all these kinds of things. And then three and a half, for the last three and a half years, he will wreak havoc on the earth, even amongst those who follow him. Sadly, many people will still embrace him. They will follow him blindly. And we know this to be true because guess what? It's happening right now. All you have to do is look around in our culture today and see the lies that people are willing to receive as truth. They're just, well, yeah, I mean, there is all kinds of narratives going on in our culture today that are, are so blatantly obvious to us, and yet so, uh, they seem so truthful to so many other people. 
you know, you take the, the virus that's come out here in, in our world and <laughs> just so happens that it came out in an election year, I don't know. That's kind of interesting. But, uh, you know, re regardless, we have this virus and we had so much false information relating to it. So much deception. So many statistics completely off, right? And even when the truth gets brought out, guess what? You're silenced if you, bring, if you speak against it. It's crazy. Any normal person, any, any, any person who, uh, you know, you know, considers science real and, and such will look at the data and go, that's not right. There's something wrong. You can always skew the data, folks. That's the reality. You can always screw, <laughs> well, yeah, you can do that too, but, but uh, you can always skew the data. Not only that, but then we have this false narrative of a, um, you know, this societal bliss, if we could just all, you know, sort of have an equal economic path, then every one of us would be better off and all this kind of stuff. How's that working out for us? That's why our gas prices are the way that they are. That's why the interest rates will go up because it's called inflation. And that's going to continue to happen. Um, not, not only that, but then we have this false narrative relating to uh, racism, and so we have this thing called critical race theory that is being brought up in the cultures today. It's essentially reverse racism, uh, you know, and, and, but, but yet people are receiving these kinds of things. Listen, we're all human beings. We should love each other. No question about it. We can't go back in the past and change the thing. You can't do that. What you can do is love people today, right where you are. That's what we're called to do. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Uh, to, to have a narrative that would suggest something otherwise is not truthful. It's not right. Uh, you know, so we can see how people, even though some of these things are kind of laughable to us, we could see how people would be totally deceived when it comes to these kind of things. The, the Antichrist literally should get a, 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 an Academy Award for the shenanigans that will be pulled off in the seven-year seven tribulation period. It will be crazy. And the church, had the church be here I think we would be calling it out left and right. I believe the church is going to be removed. But regardless, we know that the stage is being set right now. The spirit of deception is so thick. Uh, how many of you guys are afraid to forward anything that you read off first glance? Like, you're like, I don't even know. This is incredible. I should, no, wait a second. I need to fact check this, right? And then you fact check it, and you're like, I don't know if I still feel comfortable. Like, should I send this out? I don't know because we're, we're being deceived about the truth. And listen, the stage is being set. If you, if you don't have uh, an understanding of the, of the end times and where we sit currently, um, you need to pay attention. I'm going to give you some things to think about this morning. Uh, just recently, this last week or so, uh, I don't know if you saw the interview that President Biden had. Well, not an interview. His speech he gave at the G7 conference, and he he said something interesting. Well, he always says something interesting, but he said this. <laughs> uh, my mother had an expression, out of everything terrible, something good will come if you look hard enough for it. I think this uh, presents us with some significant opportunities to make some real changes. You know, we're at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy. Not just the world economy, in the world. Uh, it occurs every three or four generations as one of the top military people said in a secure meeting the other day, 60 million people die between uh, 1900 and 1946. And since then, we've established a liberal world order. 
And that hadn't happened for a long while. A lot of people dying, but nowhere near the chaos. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're going to, there's going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead it. And we've got to unite the rest of the free world in, in doing it. Now, the phrase new world order, anybody who understands, you know, uh, the Bible at all, uh, even if they were going to throw that agenda out, probably shouldn't use that term. I, I'm just saying, that might trigger something. That might be like, new world order, um, we probably should be careful about that. You know, I probably wouldn't use those words. But listen, this is not, this is exactly the agenda because there's a globalist agenda. I, everybody knows this. But, but Prince Charles has been saying it. I, I gave you guys a clip of Prince Charles talking about the new world order and all of that stuff coming through. Not only that, but check this out. I have a Fox News clip from interview uh, that was done with Kira Rudik, who is a U Ukraine politician and a member of parliament there. And uh, she said, she has this to say about all that's going on over there. I think. Sound. Is there any sound? Me. There it is. We're good. So she said, we're doing this. What are they doing? We're standing up against Russia. We're doing this. We're going to war here for the new world order, which is meant for the de democratic countries. She goes on to say to, uh, you know, this was earlier this month. This was in early March. She goes on to say in, uh, in an interview with BBC that um, her support for the new world order uh, is... She said, Kira elaborated on her support for the New World Order and the need to, for humanity to evolve, claiming that the war would precipitate a New World Order. She said, and I quote, there are tyrannies that need to be isolated and there are democratic countries who can help each other to evolve. That's why it's so important for us to stay on the bright side and even if we feel this is a David versus Goliath situation, I'm persuaded that once it's all gone, we will be able to build uh, the country in a much better situation with better support with other countries. This announcement came uh, on the same day that billionaire globalist George Sor Sor uh, Soros demanded that the United States and its allies must do whatever is in their power to help the Ukraine against Russia. Uh, we probably shouldn't listen to that guy. That's all I'm saying. Um, but not only that, you know, we, we, this term, the New World Order, it has a biblical context. It, 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 it is talking about a one world government, it's talking about, and, and typically, I, I don't bring these things up, but when they're blatant like this, it's necessary. I, I don't care about politics, I could care less. You can't legislate righteousness. Right? It has nothing to do with policymakers. It all has to do with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And if we want to make real change, we need to preach the gospel. 
That's what will change people's lives. But regardless, when these things come out, particularly in line with what we're talking about here, we need to talk about it. The new world order, are you kidding me? You can't make this stuff up, man. Um, and not only that, but listen to this. This is crazy. Do you know Vladimir Putin said that he has been, it's been said that he's been warning the world that the Western elites are attempting to usher in a new world order for humanity by planting operates in high-level government positions around the world. Now, I, I think that's crazy that he, he's calling this out. It is happening. And, and not that he's a good guy. He's not a good guy. He's an evil guy. But there's some truth to what he's saying here. And what if, I'm not saying he's Gog, but if he is, it sure fits the picture of Ezekiel 38 and 39 war where Gog will rise up against the Antichrist and fight him. Doesn't that make sense that Putin is fighting against the new world order? Again, I'm not saying that's totally the case, but we have to take the, the, real, the facts that we have and kind of look at them, and that's the truth. So, you know, it's just, just interesting, uh, all of these things going on. The world is poised in position, guys, and it's happening quick. Quicker, I mean, five years ago, we weren't having this conversation, were we? Look what's happened in the last two years. Um, we're implementing a digital currency next year. So they're working on the USD digital, uh, be a, trying to go to a cashless society, which is, you know, whatever. It's, it's one of those things that will, again, be, a, be something that will, just another piece of the puzzle that's being brought out, guys. So we have, we have lots of stuff that's going on in our world today, and it's all relating to where we are in the book of Revelation. You know, and, and all of these things being put into place. I think the next major biblical event that happens is the rapture of the church. I think the rapture of the church is gone. Once that happens, then the rise of the Antichrist as we talked about last week, and Satan will pull all kinds of shenanigans through the, the, the rise of the Antichrist. He, we, we talked about it last week, that he will have a resurrection ruse that will imitate Jesus. He will get the reverence that he's been seeking through the Antichrist. Uh, he'll use slick words to uh, cause the mass majority of people to blaspheme God in this last seven-year tribulation period. And he will show his, he'll, tr he'll finally show his true colors about midway through the tribulation period when he turns on Israel and all Christians. And if you don't conform to uh, exactly what he says, you will die. And there will be many people, I believe, that aren't following anything that won't conform that will die as well. Not just, not just people following, trying to follow Christ during that time, but many people. He does not care about people. He hates human beings because we are made in the image of God. He has no friends. But boy, will he do a good job the first three and a half years of the tribulation period to make people think that he is the world's hero. And then he will flip the switch and he will be as aggressive as ever towards anybody who stands in his way. Doesn't matter if it's on his team or not. He's, uh, the Antichrist will not be doing all of this alone, though. There's another that will surface during this time, uh, we talked about it. It's the false prophet. Jesus warned us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, beware of false prophets who come, in, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. 
you will recognize them by their what? Fruits. So we as the church will recognize what a ravenous wolf looks like because we will see at the end of the day what the agenda is. You know, if the, if the, end, of the end of the day, you can, f- you can figure out real quickly where people are. Who are you trying to exalt in your life? You're trying to exalt yourself or you're trying to exalt Christ? That says a lot. That tells you exactly where you are. If you're trying to exalt yourself, then, then you're not really following the Lord, are you? You're trying to exalt Christ? That's what it looks like to follow the Lord. You exalt him. You, you can get to the nitty-gritty real quick in a conversation, guys, when you just ask, like, like, what are you living for? What's your end goal? What are you trying to do? Trying to, what, make a better life for yourself? And all, That sounds a lot, of, a lot like meism. You know, I want to live for Christ. I want to live all the rest of my days. I lived plenty of days for me. That didn't work out so well for me. But I want to live the rest of my days for Christ. And, you know, so you can get to, to the bottom of that. We will know people by their fruits. We'll know what, an, what a ravenous wolf looks like because he will be kind and cunning and all these kinds of things and up front. But at some point, the, the wool will be pulled back and we'll be able to see people for who they, who they really are. There have been many antichrists that have come and they, all of those antichrists point to the final antichrist. There have been many false prophets that have come. All of those false prophets will, will point to the final false prophet that will show up. He will be Satan's deceiver of the world. Uh, the false prophet will be the antichrist partner in Christ's massive final deception in the world. The antichrist will be a deified political and military leader, and the false prophet will be his high priest. And he'll lead the false church into worshiping the beast. This is all counterfeit worship of the one and true living God. All counterfeit worship of the one and true living God. Satan being the counterfeit father, the Antichrist being the counterfeit Messiah, and the false prophet being the counterfeit Holy Spirit. And here we have Uh, you know, the Lord giving us the insight as it relates to these things. This is the most comprehensive description that we have, these verses 11 through 18, relating to the person and the work of the false prophet. So we're gonna consider three things relating to the false prophet this morning. The purpose of the false prophet, the power of the false prophet, and the plan of the false prophet, if you're taking notes. Firstly, the purpose of the false prophet look at verse 11 then I saw another beast rising out of the earth it had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon it exercises all authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed so John sees another beast rise up that word another literally means another of the same kind Uh, so what he's saying is that this particular beast it's not exactly the beast that has already risen up, it's not the same person, but it's another of the same kind, meaning it's empowered by the same source, Satan. It has the same focus, deception, and it it has the same purpose to spread the false uh, worship of the beast. Many people believe that the beast is a false religious system. I don't think so. I think the beast, this particular beast, this two-horned beast, is a person. Um, You know, And the reason I say that is because Revelation chapter 20, verse 10 indicates that. It says this, and the devil 
who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and, and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. So you have all three of them in the lake of fire and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. How do you torment a false religious system? It has no feelings. <laughs> it, it's a system. This is talking about literally Satan, who is a person, uh, the Antichrist, who is a person, and the false prophet, who is a person, who will spend all of eternity in hell being tormented day and night uh, for their rejection of Jesus Christ. So it's, it's, there's a literal hell, a literal place that God has prepared for the devil and his angels, and for some reason, human beings want to go there. They, want to recept, they don't want to receive the reconciliation of Jesus Christ. Uh, God had made a way for us, and many people will reject that. And so God is, has no choice but to uh, put people in the lake of fire along with the devil, with the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Notice that this beast is unlike the one spoken of in verses 1 through 10, as it came out of the earth. Last week, we talked about the rise of the Antichrist coming out of the sea, the sea being, we talked about the sea or waters representing humanity. Many people believe that, uh, specifically, that the Antichrist will come out of the Gentile nations, that he will be a Gentile. Um, here we find that this, this beast is going to rise up out of the earth. That translation could, be, could also, it could be translated out of the land. The, the earth could be translated to land. And when we think of the land, it would be speaking about on, the only land that we talk about in the Bible, which is what? The holy land. Speaking about the nation of Israel. Many scholars believe this is a reference to uh, the, the false prophet being Jewish in some way. Kind of interesting, maybe he is. Um, by the way, I didn't talk about this last week, but many people believe the Antichrist will be Jewish as well. And they, they take Daniel chapter 11, verses 38 through 30, 36 through 38, I'm not gonna read it, but you can read it later. But there's a phrase in that, and it's, it's the idea that the, the king that's being spoken of here by Daniel is said to have... Uh, you know, rejected the God of his fathers. And so that phrase there, the God of his fathers, is a reference to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and to the God of Israel. So people believe like, hey, that means that the Antichrist is going to be Jewish in some way, shape, or form. End times theologian Thomas Ice disagrees. He says, well, I think it may be possible for the false prophet uh, to be a Jew, um, I do not say that I necessarily think he will, but it's possible. There does not appear to be any scriptural grounds to, the, to think that the Antichrist will be of the tribe of Dan nor of Jewish descent. It appears that he will be a Gentile and will rise up from the re revived Roman Empire. In the middle of the tribulation, he will take his seat in Israel's rebuilt temple and claim himself to be God. His career will be short-lived, seven-year period, for he will spend eternity in the lake of fire upon Christ's return to planet Earth. So I don't necessarily believe the Antichrist will be Jewish either, but um, as, I, as I stated last week, I'm not really concerned about the Antichrist. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I really could care less about the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. That's who I'm focused on. I'm not focused on trying to figure out who the Antichrist could be or anything like that. Um, you know, study the scriptures, it's there. Uh, it's definitely something that we can look for, but 
um, I think it's meant for, it's meant to propel us that much more into pressing into Jesus and sharing him with other people. I think that's the point. That is the point of prophecy, is to help us to, uh, you know, recognize the signs of the times so that we can be about our father's business, right? So the false prophet could be Jewish, um, you know, as it relates to this translation coming out of the land. Um, It also could just mean that he's a lesser beast because in this culture, when they thought about the sea, it was mystical and it was powerful and they didn't have a lot of details. I mean, we have we have subs and we have sonar equipment and we have all kinds of stuff in our culture today that we can, we can understand what's in the sea, right? But think about this in the first century, you're, you're cruising along on your, your ship, all you look down and just see black, you have no idea what's, what's down there. They had no clue. And it was mysterious and powerful and, that, and so that could be what he's talking about as well, that this one coming out of the land, the land would be a much more calm, peaceful place. He will be a much more subtle leader that's also another interpretation of this and that kind of makes sense because of the animal that he's being likened to here he's being likened to a two-horned uh, lamb something that has a, he, he will have two horns like a lamb he won't be a lamb but he's like a lamb um, horns we talked about last week as being representative of power and authority right so the horns represent powers and authority. The diadems that will be put on those horns representing kings that will rise up. But in this particular case, the two horns probably represent two specific categories that this particular beast will be responsible for. And it will be this, the religious system of the day and also the economy. Why is he responsible for the economy? Because he's responsible for everything that's being bought and sold by way of the mark of the beast. So he's responsible for instilling this new uh, religious system that will exist in this seven-day tribulation period that will be linked to an economic system that will translate into the, the ability to, be, to buy and sell. So what, in other words, the economy and will be linked with false worship in this time frame. If you don't have the mark of the beast, if you're not, which means that you're a follower of this, of the of the false prophet and the false religious system of the day, you won't be able to buy anything or sell anything, at least in that system. God has a way of doing all kinds of stuff. I don't know how He's going to take care of people during that time, but He will. He'll take care of people. He'll. He. We know 144,000 Jews will not die, the entire seven-year period because they're sealed with with God's mark on their forehead and they're not able to be harmed during that time. Maybe God will feed them like he, fe- he fed Elijah and have the ravens come and bring the food to them. We don't know, but God will take care of that. But So uh, this guy will probably re- be responsible for the religion and the economy of that culture. And, um, you know, and he will be lamb-like, like in the sense of being gentle um, he'll be deceiver. He won't be somebody who will be like, uh, you know, some forceful ruler like the Antichrist will be. He'll be less of, a, uh, of an authoritative ruler like that, but he will be able to speak. He will be able to talk. It says that he will have the voice like a dragon. That means he will speak deceptively and 
untruthfully. That's what the dragon does in, in Revelation, in the book of Revelation, all through the Bible. The dragon is the deceiver, the enemy. He is, uh, he's, always, he's a liar from the beginning, and this one will speak lies. It will speak falsehood against God. It'll speak falsehood against the Antichrist, and uh, um, he will sway the world to worship this one. Notice it says that he not only will have a voice like a dragon, but he will have authority like the Antichrist. It says all authority of the first beast in its presence. He will, have, he will exercise the same satanic authority that is given to the Antichrist here before the Antichrist. Notice for the purpose. Now here's the purpose of the Antichrist or of the false prophet. The purpose of making the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. That is why he exists. The point of the false prophet is to draw people in to worship the Antichrist. That's exactly what his job will be. So in order to do that, he has to speak lies and be deceptive in the way that he presents that. He will make the world worship the Antichrist. And notice, whose mortal wound was healed. Many people believe that the false prophet, and we'll talk about this in a second, he'll be able to do false signs and wonders and all kinds of different things like that. They believe that he'll be linked to this, this whatever assassination attempt or whether it was real or it's staged. Uh, the Antichrist will probably uh, be the person to receive a mortal wound. All the world will probably see him die three and a half years into the tribulation, uh, some assassination attempt, and Maybe the false prophet is there and he rises him from the dead. We know that the mortal wound was healed and this gives, you know, he'll have some sort of authority like that to perform those kinds of signs and wonders. Um, but, but what we know, and it's, and it's associated with him th uh, twice in the text, it brings up this idea of the Antichrist being killed twice in the text, once here and then once down below where it says that he was killed with a sword. So it's interesting. Um, what we know, though, is that his entire purpose and everything that he does, uh, whether it's signs and wonders or whatever the, whatever the case is, the entire purpose of this false prophet is to promote satanic worship. That's what he does. That's, his, that's why he exists. So that's the purpose of the false prophet. Now we're going to look at the power of the false prophet. Verse 13, it performs great signs and making even fire come down from heaven to earth in front of, the uh, front of people, and by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image of the beast that is wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast even might speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. The false prophet will be empowered by Satan. He'll be empowered by some demonic presence. Satan is one person. He can't empower both the Antichrist and the false prophet at the same time. Probably some demonic force that will give him the ability to do the things that he does. But he will perform not just signs and wonders, folks, but great signs and wonders, i.e. like Elijah. When he called down fire from heaven upon an altar that was built, that was soaked with water, that you know, any reasonable person would say, there's no way that that will burn up. And it was consumed before their eyes because he called down 
fire from heaven in the power of God. Well, this one will call down fire from heaven in front of people by the power of Beelzebub. That really kind of makes what the, uh, the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, when they said, you know, Jesus does the works by the way of Beelzebub, who is Satan, makes what they say kind of true, doesn't it? Uh, that, that Satan will empower and does empower people to do works, signs and wonders by his own, you know, in his name, in the name of Satan. He does all kinds of different signs and wonders. He's not God, uh, but he does have power to do these sorts of things. He, does, he has power to do some things and obviously has enough power to make fire come down from heaven. Uh, we, we see back in the Old Testament, in the Exodus, you know, we watch the, the Janies and Jambres who were Satan's little puppets back in that culture and Moses coming before the Pharaoh, remember, and you have the 10 plagues there. Well, Janies and Jambres were the magicians that were able to do many of the signs that, that Moses did, but there came a point where they, they couldn't outdo God. And uh, Satan can do a lot of deceptive things, but he can never outdo God. And so we, we see that clearly. And this, this false prophet will be Satan's representative, and he will do these kinds of, of things. Notice, it is God who allows him. Circle the word allow. God allows him to work in the presence of of the beast uh, to deceive those who dwell on the earth. God is allowing these things to happen. And, uh, and, and, and which also, it goes to show that we don't follow signs and wonders, right? We, we, we follow truth. We look for truth. When signs and wonders were presented, you have to understand the purpose of them. Uh, it, when they didn't have the written word of God, they used signs and wonders to authenticate the speaker. So how did somebody know if they were from God. I mean, you know, you walk into a, a synagogue and you're like, hey, I'm from God. And they're like, okay, well, do something. Show us something, you know. That's what they wanted Jesus to do, right? Hey, show me some tricks, Jesus, if you're really from God. And Jesus is, had, had shown them plenty. But they were un, unwilling to believe the Pharisees were. But the point of it is it authenticates the speaker. So, you know, somebody would come into your town they would say, hey, thus says the Lord, or whatnot, and then they would do something. There would be some miracle, there'd be something that would happen that would authenticate, yeah, this person is from God. Um, you know, so, so the Lord is allowing these things to take place. Um, for, for, it says that he will give the world a strong delusion. This will be the strong delusion. This will be it. God will use the false prophet to give the world a strong delusion into believing all the falsehoods that are going on, um, and ultimately, uh, what he's doing is revealing people's hearts. They don't want to follow the Lord. They, they want to reject the Lord. Um, but you and I, uh, we use the word of God primarily to, to navigate us through situations. We, signs and wonders happen. I mean, how many of you guys believe in miracles? They happen. They're real. Um, you know, we believe the Holy Spirit is at work as, as the same work today that he's been doing for 2,000 years. He's doing work like this. He's doing miracles and these kinds of things. But um, we have the word of God, you know, so we, we can hear the truth already through the word. And, uh, you know, the word, wh what we use to authenticate is truth. What is the person saying? What is truth? Back in this day, in, um, or, or in this day, when this happens, People will be navigating through by what they see. 
And that's not how we walk. We walk by faith, which is believing without seeing. We trust the Lord. We trust what he says in his word. But uh, there'll come a time when after the false prophet has wooed people to his feet, then he will tell them. Who's them? The world. He'll tell people in the world to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And he'll be allowed to give this, give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. So here we have this false prophet deceiving the world with false signs and wonders and commanding these unsaved worshipers to erect some sort of an image to the beast. And this image will be literally a statue of, I think, the Antichrist. I think that's what it's talking about here. Um, it, It just so happens that they're working on that. I don't know if you've ever heard of the giant the giant is a 10-story uh, technological wonder. This thing is millions of adaptable uh, LEDs, pixels, that can allow this, this statue of a person to take on the image of any man or woman, any historical person that's ever lived. Uh, through te- obviously, through technology and such, they can make it speak. The head can move. The arms can move. It's crazy. Uh, I don't think that's what it will be. That's technology. I don't think it will be technology. I think it will be, I think it will be literal demonic uh, activity that maybe possesses some statue or something like that. It's interesting, the followers of the false, uh, false prophet are commanded to make an image. Doesn't that remind you of something? Isn't that what happened when, uh, uh, when, when Aaron was down in the camp and he's like, I don't know how long Moses is gonna be, but... Uh, you know, these guys are like, come on, make us an image. Come on, you know, okay, take all your jewelry off. And the next thing you know, he's, he's making them an image and they're worshiping an idol. And, and this guy will, will do the same thing. He'll, he'll tell the, command the world, make an image. Come on, make an image. And they'll do it. And then they'll worship. And here's what's interesting. The reason why I think it's demonic is because of the word breath. That word breath in the Greek is pneuma. It's the same word that Jesus uses for spirit in John 3, when he talks to Nicodemus about being born again, and he says, uh, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you cannot inherit the kingdom, right? What he's talking about is you have to be born again by the Spirit. The Spirit is the breath of life that enters someone who was once dead but now made alive. When you become a believer, the, the breath of God is blown back into you. That's what Jesus did. It's so cool. In John chapter 20, After he rose again from the dead, Jesus literally went through the wall, walked into the upper room where his scared disciples were, and and he says, you know, do you guys believe and all this kind of stuff? And then at the very end, it says, he breathed on them and and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's when they received the Holy Spirit. That's called the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 1, 8, the Holy Spirit came upon them that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the upon experience of the Holy Spirit, which is, an, which is an, an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So cool, though. But this word, literally, the, the false prophet's able to breathe life into this image. How crazy would that be? I, I would say that if that happened before many of our eyes, we would be like, whoa, that's insane. That's crazy, wouldn't you? Probably. We probably be doubting it though wouldn't we be like oh i don't know about that 
show me something else, man, you know. And you're like, next thing you know, you're like following the guy and you're just, man, you're going to hell at that point. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but uh, it's crazy. But this, this false prophet will have incredible power. He has a purpose to instill false worship and make sure people are worshiping the Antichrist. He'll be given the power to do it. And not only that, but then the plan as well. Look at verse 16. Also, it causes all, both great and small, both rich and poor, both free and slave, um, to mark on the right hand or the forehead, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is, the mark of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let, Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of man and his number is 666 so uh how many how might someone know if if the people alive in the world during that time are worshipers of the beast or rebels against them how are they going to know by the mark whether or not somebody has the mark or not that's how you're going to know whether what what side you are on there's only two sides there isn't a middle ground where you get to go well i just I don't want to believe in both. I don't want to believe in anything. Sorry, you'll die if you don't take the mark of the beast. That's what it says. You'll be slain for that. You'll know whether somebody is a follower of of the beast or a follower of Christ by the fact that they either have a mark on their right hand or or forehead or they don't. You know, and and there's been so many uh, different things that people have tried to make the mark of the beast and it just is crazy you know it makes christians look stupid i I mean i hate to say it but you know when the barcode came out the church was crying mark of the beast the barcode it's a barcode man it's used for systems to tell what items are and such it's a barcode uh not not only that but then you know when the credit card came out it was mark of the beast It's credit card, digital currency. I mean, what is all this stuff? Not only that, but then you have the embeddable chips that you, you know, put in your pet in case you lose them or uh, in your kids in case you you lose them. You might do that. And the church is crying out, Mark of the Beast, stop it. Please don't do that anymore. The Mark of the Beast is not here right now. Is it going to be some technological thing? Probably. But listen, there's not a single thing on planet Earth that we've seen with our eyes right now that is the mark of the beast. And people are literally afraid that they're going to accidentally take the mark of the beast. And, you know, the vaccination, I don't care where you sit on that, whether you're pro-vax or not, or not pro or whatever, it's not the mark of the beast. It is not the mark of the beast. That is crazy for people to think that. It is something that, I, I, I mean, I don't feel comfortable with the safety data on it. That's my problem with it. It's not the mark of the beast. Christians look like idiots when we say stuff like that. You know, but, but here's the reality is that, you know, all of this collectively is setting the course for the mark of the beast. But make sure you understand this today. The mark of the beast will be associated with worship of the Antichrist and will be associated with a, an economic system that is worldwide. Do, have you seen both of those in existence today? No, they're not here. 
I mean, they're here probably. They're probably going to surface in any moment once the Lord takes us out of here, you know. Uh, but, but the reality of it is, is it's not. None of these things are the mark of the beast. So can you relax a little bit? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I'm never going to accidentally take the mark of the beast. You will not accidentally take the mark of the beast. Don't worry. If you do it, you know what you're doing. You know exactly what you're going to be doing. And while we're on this subject of superstition, can we also step into the idea that if, if, you, um, if you go to the, whatever, the, the court system and get a marriage license, and it has the number 666 on it, don't freak out, okay? Don't freak out that the number 666 is, you're not going to marry the devil, I promise. If you're at the cash register and it comes up 666.66, hey, guess what? Don't freak out. It's not a big deal. I got to buy something else because that number. Okay, well, do whatever makes you feel better, you know, kind of thing. But, um, but you're not going to take the mark of the beast there. That just happens to be you're spending a lot of money right at that point in time. So, so the number of man, six, the triad of sixes, just emphasizing that idea that the men of men, the men of men, the Antichrist will be. The men of men, he'll have the number of man. And, you know, what does that look like? I don't know. I don't know what, how they're gonna, that number will be associated in there, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But what we know is there will be a religious system that will come into play that will be, that will be coupled with a mark that will enable you to either buy or sell something, buy or sell and, and whatever, you know, you're not going to be able to do anything like that. I'm telling you, the world's set up for this. It is so set up for this. Um, not to freak you out, but I just heard, uh, you know, President Biden said the other day, food shortages are real. Food shortages are real. Uh, do you know Russia and the Ukraine are uh, the majority producers of wheat? And that we're going to have to step up our wheat game in our country. Otherwise, there's going to be a major shortage, not just in Europe but also here. And so there, there's all kinds of stuff going on. We don't worry about these things. We don't let that information overwhelm us to the point that, you know, we can't function as human beings. That's not the point. The point is that we pay attention. The point is that we listen to what's being spoken and we take it to our Bible. And we, by the way, don't try and apply everything that you hear to the Bible either. That's not the right approach either. I think that we need to have a healthy understanding of where we sit in our world today, but for the purpose of us, it driving us to do the one commission that Jesus told us to do. There is no other commission. Jesus didn't commission the church to find the Antichrist. He didn't commission the church to figure out who the, who the false prophet will be or what the, what the false religion will be in that day or what the mark of the beast will be or anything like that. We're not commissioned to do any of that. He's given us information for the purpose of empowering us and putting a light under us to do the one thing that he told us to do, and that is to go into the world and make disciples. That's what we're called to do. If you want to affect our country, if you want to see change in our country, uh, you know, of course, vote and all that kind of stuff, but more importantly, share the gospel. You want to change people's lives? Share the gospel. You want to see your neighborhood change? Share the gospel. The gospel is what changes people's lives, folks. And it, what it does is aligns us with the right heart and allowing the Lord uh, to do those things. Um, 
I, I, I threw a question out last week, and there's a ton of questions surrounding all of this, but this one in particular seems to really uh, concern Christians who have many family members who are not believers. And that is this, like if I have a family member that's in, in, in you know, and they happen to be in the tribulation period, and they take the mark of the beast, is that it? Like, can they never be saved? Is there any possibility for them to be saved? And, you know, there's, there's uh, this comes back to the doctrine of salvation, folks. It comes back to how you see salvation. And ultimately, how does God save people? Um, my Bible says that it's by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. So, Here's the reality is that it starts with grace. What is grace again? Getting what you don't deserve. Who deserves salvation? Who, who in this room deserves salvation? And none of us deserve it. It's grace. If, if we deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. It'd be called a reward. But it's not. It's by grace. It's by grace through faith. It's something, we have a part in this. We have to believe. That is our responsibility when it comes to salvation. We have to respond to God's grace in extending his hand to us. Um, and when we do that, we're saved. The, 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 the one we put our faith in is Jesus Christ. Not our works, but his works, right? It's what he's done, not what we do. So with that in mind, Paul says something in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, that he says, you know, he says it like this, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, or, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He establishes a premise right away. Unrighteous people don't get into heaven, period. Now check this out. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's emphatic. There's no wiggle room in this. This is an emphatic statement. You will not inherit the kingdom of God if you are living a habitual lifestyle of this. If you reject Jesus and his willingness to come to you and you're unwilling to repent of these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's emphatic. This is an absolute truth, okay? So, but check this out. Verse 11, and such were some of you. <laughs> hey, listen, everyone in this room was in that situation at one point in their life. You were not inheriting the kingdom of God. You were stuck in this situation. The only reason that you can say today, and such were, was I one, at one point in time, is because of the grace of God. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with what God has done. Now, he says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So here's the point, is that the gospel is powerful enough to take a person who is destined for hell and bring them into heaven. And it doesn't matter what the situation is, right? It, it, I mean, he, this is meant, not meant to be an exhaustive list of sins that God will save you from. It's meant to say that there's not a sin that God can't save you from. He can save you from anything. So, so here, here's the reality of it is that when it comes to the mark of the beast, it, there's an emphatic statement relating to that as well. That those who have the mark of the beast, those people who worship the beast, 
those people, it's actually, let me just read it, Revelation chapter 14, verses nine through 10. Um, and, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb. That's an emphatic statement. There's no wiggle room in this. If you're a worshiper of the beast and, and, and you, you just fall headlong into that situation, even though you've given a strong warning about it, and you do not repent, you will, you're stuck there. You're going to hell, period. But here is what it doesn't say. That if somebody in that situation who took the mark of the beast comes to repentance in Jesus Christ, that they can go to heaven. But the rest of the Bible says that. The rest of the Bible says that about every other sin that ever existed. Is the mark of the beast a sin? Yes. It's idolatry. That's what it is. Can somebody be saved from idolatry? Yes. I think Christians are totally off when it comes to this because they don't understand the doctrine of salvation. The doctrine of salvation is God has done everything. I've done nothing except for turn. He's t- he even turned my heart towards him, right? You can't believe upon the Father unless you're drawn. And so the reality of it is, is can somebody be saved in that situation? My Bible says God's arm is not too short that he can't save anyone in any circumstance, in any situation. Now, some people are, you know, this is super controversial, and I would just challenge you uh, not to do a study on the mark of the beast. Do a study on the doctrine of salvation. Do a study on how a person's saved and what they're saved from and how God does that. And you might arrive at the same conclusion. I think that it's totally possible for somebody to come to Christ who's fallen into the, the, the followed along on the path of every, what everybody else is doing in that situation because they're scared and they don't know what else to do and maybe the Lord gives them the, an opportunity. God is a God of hope, man. He's a God of grace and he loves us and he wants to be in relationship with every single person in the world. He loves us and he will go at great lengths to rescue people. Here's what I know. There's a false Messiah coming. There is a false prophet coming they will be empowered by the their father the devil and the majority of the world alive during this time will give themselves wholly over to 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 this to these three the unholy trinity and they will worship him and they will fall at their on their faces before him our job as believers in this day and age is to focus on uh trying to uh give as many people the gospel as as we can give many people as many people as you can the truth and I would say this, that, you know, it starts with you. You know, and, and I think in the church there is something, you know, that the Lord put on my heart when I was reading 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you know, and it's this idea of, and such were some of you. And such were some of you. I know how sin works in my life, and I know how easy it comes back into my life. And I know that if I don't guard myself, that it'll be right back in. I, I'm changed, I'm transformed. God has done a great work in my life, but I can easily fall back into those old patterns, old, old way of thinking and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and if you're in that situation today, I want you to know, you might, be, you, might have been, you may be stuck in this situation for years, tens of years, 
a long time. But the reality of it is it's, it, com- it comes back to repentance, man. And can a person with the, uh, with the mark of the beast be saved? It comes back to repentance. It always comes back to repentance. It comes back to that place. Are you going to put your faith in Jesus or not? Are you going to trust him with whatever it is that you're struggling with? As a church, I think one of the things that we uh, really should be focused on in our own hearts, starting with us first, is having a clean heart before God and asking the Lord, Father, is there anything in my life that I've allowed in my life? Is there anything that is, is you know, not what you desire for me? Will you come and cleanse me of it? You know, this false system is coming and all that kind of stuff, but that, that, that has nothing to do with you right now in this moment and your relationship with God and what he's calling you to do. He's calling you to be a, an ambassador of Christ. And it starts with a, with a holiness in our own hearts and a repentance in our own hearts. And then when, we, when we're like that and we see ourselves the way that the Lord sees us and, and the way that we really are, I think we're incredibly gracious to other people when we really see ourselves for who we are. So I want to take just a few minutes here as we close in this song and just ask the Lord to examine your heart. Is there anything that I need to get rid of this morning, Lord? Is there any sin in my life that I need to repent of? I want to turn away. I want to be usable by you. And, and you know, you're never going to be perfect. Please don't hear me say that. But here's what I know. Every time I stumble, I have a responsibility to take it to the cross. I have a responsibility to ask the Lord, to give me strength and power. If the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. Amen. <laughs>